Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. We have been in a sermon series for the last couple weeks called The Blueprint, The Church God is Building. And I had this assessment over the last year that basically there is a sense in which we may have lost um, a little bit of the purpose for what church is because there was this, we need to get back to just gathering rather than doing what we've always done. Now, I'm not suggesting that's everybody, but I just have seen this church-wide beyond Northwest Church. It's, it's always about whether or not we can gather and gather indoors. And when that's sort of the main focus, we kind of forget all that God in his word has called us to be as the church. And so what I felt like we needed to do was really focus in on what the Bible teaches concerning who the church of Jesus Christ is and what we do. And so I spent one weekend talking about what the church is from the Bible. And then we've spent the last several weeks talking about what the church does. And every week we're trying to also bring to you how it is that Northwest Church is gonna go about fulfilling the mission and the ministry of Jesus. We have a 42 year history of doing that. But in this season, as we're rebuilding, as we're being renewed, as we're transitioning, as we're changing, it's really important that we shore up our foundations and we all understand what we're doing together as God's people and really how we're going about that. And so I think it's really important that we look at this together and we've introduced a mission statement and that mission statement is Northwest Church is on mission with Jesus to see the lost saved and disciples made. And what we're talking about here is that the church of Jesus Christ is all about evangelism and discipleship. And how we do that is the rest of what we've been talking about. And I've introduced four words that are not just nice for 2021 and they're gonna go away after 2021. Ben, thank you for introducing those words and focusing on those words. And then in 2022, you never hear about them again. No, no, you're gonna hear about them in 2022 and 2025. And hey, as long as you're gonna be here, we're gonna hear about these words and the words are reach, restore, equip, and send. And today I'm gonna ground this a little bit more in the word of God to show you why these words really matter and how it is they categorically summarize the ministry of Northwest Church, really straight out of scripture. And so we've looked at different messages. I talked to you first about reach, that we're called to reach up to God in prayer. And then Pastor Suzanne talked about how we're called to reach out to people with good works, a good example, and the good news of Jesus Christ. It can't just be one or the other, it's all three goods. And so we talked about reach. Pastor Scott last week talked about restore. Our heart is the heart of Christ, and he came to restore our hearts. He came to restore us to right relationship with our Heavenly Father and to restore us to relationship with one another. We have the ministry of reconciliation, being reconciled to God and also to each other as brothers and sisters and family that Jesus paid a price for. And today, I want to further our conversation by talking to you about a church that equips, a church that equips and equipping the body of Christ is an essential part of what the church is called to do. Now, if you're not sure what the word equip means, let me define it for you. It means to supply someone with what is needed 
Some uh, dictionary definitions will say it means to outfit somebody. It means to outfit them with the equipment that they need to do the job that they're supposed to do. It means to prepare someone for a specific task. And so the, a word, the word equip is basically a practical word for discipleship. We use that word a lot around here. It's a biblical word, but the word equip is also found in scripture. It's a practical word for discipleship. And as we look at Ephesians chapter four, I'm gonna start in verse 11. We're gonna see how the apostle Paul really just grounded and founded the ministry of the church as it pertains to equipping. And we're gonna look at what he has to say starting in verse 11. And here's what the apostle Paul says to the Ephesian church. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until, everybody say until. That's a very important word in this passage. He gave this until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, this is also a very important transition in this text. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, you could say every person supplies, that's what he's talking about. We all are fitted together. According to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, there's a lot there. We know the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church. He was imprisoned in Rome. His first imprisonment was for two years, and then he was released. And that's where he wrote what we call the prison epistles. Now, it's really important that we also understand historically, most scholars believe that this letter was widely circulated, more so than any letter that Paul wrote. The church in Ephesus was basically a distribution center. We talked about this when we studied Revelation 1 through 3. It was a large church. It was a growing church. Many churches were planted out of the church at Ephesus. So when they got this letter, they not only read it for the church that was a part of that in that city, but they also redistributed that letter to the many other churches that were planted out of it. So this was a widely circulated, widely read, widely understood Um, letter from the Apostle Paul. And the principles are really important. The first three chapters, he's talking about the depth of salvation. He's talking about having a revelation and the knowledge of God's will concerning what we have received in Christ. And he furthers that by talking about how Jew and Gentile, two different, well, mostly different ethnicities that have a wall of hostility that the gospel of Jesus brought down. And he's encouraging them and showing them that the gospel of Jesus was meant to bring us together and not continue our separation. And then when he transitions to chapter four, he discusses the church and really this uncommon unity that the church is supposed to exhibit. And so we are reading from this chapter and we see there's several things that he brings up. And I simply wanna talk to you about three that I think will help us understand that we are called to be an equipping church. And I think that's part of the vision 
that he is trying to help them as a church understand. And I really believe that becoming an equipping church is what helps us to pass on the faith that was handed down to us. If we are not an equipping church, this transition from one generation to another will not be successful. And so we have to gain this vision that we've got to equip the people of God to carry on and carry out what the word of God says. So the first point that I wanna bring up from this text is we wanna talk about the leadership of an equipping church, the leadership of an equipping church. Remember in verse 11, Paul says, and he, Jesus gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints or the people of God. Essentially what he's talking about is Jesus himself has distributed his ministries and his attributes for people in his body. And this is really important for us to understand that Jesus is the apostle. Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is the evangelist. He is the pastor and the teacher. And Jesus did not give all of his ministry to just one person. I know sometimes that that theology can be spread in different circles. It's like you're supposed to be just like Jesus, and you are. But that does not suggest that you as an individual represent and carry the fullness of Jesus Christ. Not one person in a body carries the fullness of Jesus. That is not true. And that is what we know from this passage is that Jesus distributed his ministry among his body. And then he calls us to be one. So as one, we represent his fullness. He does not allow anybody to be the prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Do, 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 do. Here's the main man of power for the hour. That person is the most gifted. You know, that's very cultish for anybody to start talking like that. And I've heard a lot of people talk like that, especially in charismatic churches, of which we are one. And so I always get a little cringy whenever I hear somebody suggest that you can actually fully represent Jesus alone in and of yourself and all the gifts and all the power. And that's not true. Friends, it's not true. You look at John chapter 20 and verse 21. You remember that this is sort of a John's version of the commissioning of Jesus Christ. You might remember this passage. It's where Jesus is resurrected and he says this and pay attention to what he says. He said, as the father has sent me, singular, now I also send you. You know that word you is plural. He was not speaking to individuals. He was speaking to a group of people. And this is why the call to unity is so important. And you know, unity takes work. Unity takes humility. Unity takes all of us. He has said, as the Father sent me singular, I now have sent you plural. And that's why individualism does not fit in the church. He did not get, give the fullness to one person. He distributed apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher among his People. Now, I want to just shameless plug. I want to let you know I'm writing a book and it's coming out this year. It's called Spiritually Gifted. And one third of that book is devoted to these verses. So there's no way that I can give you sort of this comprehensive overview in uh, just a handful of minutes that I have, 25 more to be exact. I can't do that for you today. And so I will give you that book as a gift for free. You don't have to buy it or anything and I'm not selling. But I think it's really important that we understand there is a comprehensive view that we need to take concerning apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, but there are many churches that do teach, 
that the apostle and the prophet is no longer available today. And that is simply just not true. I think it's a misunderstanding of what an apostle and a prophet is. The word apostle or apostleship, it is not about a man or a woman. It is about a job description. It is a function of Jesus Christ. And what we do sometimes, and I'm not suggesting that we've done it here, but I think sometimes the body of Christ you know, nationwide, worldwide, will take titles and they'll make something out of it more than it's supposed to be. I always cringe a little bit whenever I meet somebody and they give me a business card and it says prophet so-and-so. I always thought that was funny because I spent a lot of my vocational ministry bivocational. I was a real estate agent and I was also a pastor. And so I never knew which title I should take. You know, should I be real estate agent Ben or should I be pastor Ben? And I've, I've shared with some of you before, if, if you've heard me for any length of time, I remember one time I was struggling with titles a little bit and it sounds kind of funny, but I was like, you know what? If I get a title, I want Bishop. I just feel like Bishop is a better title. Bishop Ben just, it feels right. And it was sort of a joke. And uh, I know it's probably not funny and it's a little sacrilegious to a few of you. Please forgive me because that's Christian as well. It's in the Bible. So, but I remember I was just sort of struggling and I was just cracking a joke or whatever. And then I showed up at a conference and literally on my seat, it said reserved for Bishop Ben. And so... <laughs> The joke never stopped. The joke just kept going. And then officially, there are actually people who think I refer to myself as bishop. They really do. They don't think it's a joke. So, you know, the moral of the story is be careful what you joke about because you never know how it's gonna follow you wherever you go, right? So you just gotta be careful, especially as you're raising kids. It will become a thing, I guarantee it. And so anyways, we do struggle with titles. And I think that's part of why that we've misunderstood the whole issue of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But what he says in this passage should give us a clue that factually, we still have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We still have these ministries available, but we've misunderstood them. And I think that's part of what we've got to grasp here. You'll look at verse 13 and the apostle Paul says, he's given these until, he says, until we attain the fullness of the stature which belongs to Christ. Friends, we have not attained the fullness of the stature which belongs to Christ. So we still need apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. However, we need to understand what that means. And so assuming all of these ministries of Jesus are available today, which they are, I wanna acknowledge three things. The first, just because someone says that they have a ministry gift, Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, does not mean they do. I got one amen on that. That's true. Come on now. No, whoever said that, that came from somewhere. I love you. That's right. I, I, say, I say amen with you. Number two, just because someone does have one of these ministries does not mean that they should be trusted. Leadership needs to be biblically qualified over a period of time where the people of God see the credibility of their life. There are a lot of gifted people that have no character. They have no credibility. They have no accountability. I wanna give you a clue of that. I will never allow somebody to speak on this stage that is not connected to a local church. That will never happen. As long as I'm here, that will never happen. I don't care if you're prophet so-and-so and you have all these accurate words of knowledge and you've got these high-level gifts and people acknowledge you as an apostle. If you are not part of a local community where people know you 
and you are known and you are just a regular person because you are not a super apostle. You are not a super prophet. You do not live on a pedestal. You still have to fight temptation. You still gotta raise your family if you have one. You still have to give and serve and love and be known in a community. You are not exempt. Come on, somebody. This stuff has hurt people for years where we all of a sudden get this shocker. How did somebody fall from this great pedestal that they were on? Maybe they weren't supposed to be on the pedestal to begin with. Maybe when people put them there, they should have crawled all the way down and said, nobody deserves to be up on this thing except for Jesus himself. Maybe that's the problem. And we don't wanna create a culture where that is normal. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we easily gather around a person and we're like, they are so amazing. They're the best apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher that I've ever had in my life. We do wanna give honor to whom honor is due. But sometimes that honor goes too far. Sometimes that honor is where we treat them like Jesus. They are not Jesus. They are supposed to prepare us for Jesus. They are supposed to equip us to be like Jesus. Their role is not to be Jesus for us. We cannot outsource our spirituality to a man or a woman. That is not the job of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It is wrong and it is inevitably going to fall. And that, sometimes we have so many failures. I have a podcast coming out next week about the moral failures of leadership and how we move on from that. You know, we've had so many that have fallen. And I'm telling you, you do not fall off a cliff without walking up a hill. And I think sometimes because of the way that we see these roles in the body of Christ, sometimes the culture of a church can push people up that hill because we don't recognize what our role is. Accountability is for everyone, including me. In fact, the Bible actually says, I I would have it that not many of you would be teachers because you receive a stricter judgment. So pray for me and pray for those that are leaders, but don't make us exempt from accountability. All right, amen. Number three is leaders are established not because of gifting, but through character and faithfulness. Yes, they need to have the anointing. Yes, they need to have that gifting to be established, but it is character that establishes them among the people of God. And, and let me just tell you, we're living, in a, we're living in a world where everybody's got something to say. Everybody has something to say. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has a YouTube channel. Everybody's got a social media. Everybody loves to say everything. And they, sometimes because we have the platform where 20, 30 people will like what we have to say, we, we have this feeling like, yeah, people listen to me. But the question is not, do you have the platform? The question is, are you actually supposed to steward your voice in a way where you're leading people? And so when anybody sends me a video of some random person talking about the thing that they're really hyped up about, my first question is, do you know this person? Uh Uh-oh. If you send me a video, are you sending it knowing the person and the credibility of the person that is speaking? Because if you don't, I would encourage you not to do that. I know how this sounds, but I legitimately mean what I say. Do not send videos and random articles from authors and preachers and teachers that you do not know. Because what if in a week you find out that that person has secrets in the closet? Would you have felt good about spreading that person's stuff? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It doesn't mean what they have to say isn't true. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't wanna propagate these types of things. And it's very important that if we're going to have an equipping church, that we know the roles and what they're for. And I think sometimes we misunderstand the roles. I think we think sometimes a pastor is supposed to be this pedestal person. Now we all know that's not true, but I think there's been a culture for years and years and years that has separated people to be these perfect individuals and that's not what they are. 
an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their role is to equip the people to do the work of ministry, not to do it for them. And this is why we have to position ourselves properly in church. So what is a pastor's role? A pastor's role is to pastor people in a way where they're equipped to pastor people in their context. Because the anointing on them that's to be imparted to the people of God is you may not be a pastor, but you can glean from people that Jesus has put his ministry in so that you can pastor your home. Come on, you can pastor the people in your workplace. You can pastor people at the store. You can pastor people everywhere you go. I mean, this is the new covenant leadership team that Jesus has imparted to his church. A prophet's job is not to be a mediator between God and man. The Bible says very clearly, there is no mediator between God and man except Jesus Christ. And so if we stand in line to get a prophetic word from anybody thinking that they can hear God and we can't, that is absolutely illegal. Yes, prophets can hear the voice of God. They're not perfect people though. They hear the voice of God, but they don't hear the voice of God for you without you going to Jesus yourself. The Bible says in John 10, 27, that all of his sheep can hear his voice. All of God's people have the Holy Spirit. All of us can walk with him closely. We are not under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant where Jesus not only saves us, but the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so what is the role of a prophet? The role of a prophet is to equip the people to hear the voice of God and to prophesy, to speak from the Lord in the context of their life. And this is why it's important for us to grasp, even with the evangelist. The evangelist is not, I mean, we think evangelist, we think Billy Graham. I mean, Billy Gra how many Billy Grahams are there or were there? One. And so why is it that we point to one person I mean, rest in peace, God bless him, he's with the Lord, he had an amazing ministry, but there are very few people on the planet that will ever have the influence of Billy Graham. Billy Graham was an evangelist, but the role of evangelist is not to just evangelize without anybody else being a part of it. The role of an evangelist is to equip God's people to share the gospel in their own context. Do you understand? I mean, he's equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And this is why we have to have the same vision that the Apostle Paul had. And I think what happens over time with tradition is that we misunderstand the role of the church, we misunderstand the role of leaders, and so we don't position ourselves to receive, to glean, and then to live the way that God has called us to live. All of us, all of us are supposed to be people that are fulfilling the ministry and the mission of Jesus. Each of us carries something different, but we all can glean from those ministries of Jesus and learn in our own world, in our own context, at home and everywhere we go, how to be more like Jesus. And as we receive from those ministries, we don't let them be our spirituality, but we receive from how God uses them in our life. It equips us to be the people that God calls us to be. It's an amazing thing. And it is a paradigm shift. I do believe that there is an attack on the church of Jesus Christ to remove equipping and equippers from the church. I believe there's an, there's an attack from the enemy. I, and, and follow me, you're gonna, have to be, you're gonna have to think with me a little bit, all right? You're gonna have to think with me a little bit. In the Old Testament, there was a strategy of natural warfare. Now you probably have read this and you bypassed it, but so let me just bring you up to speed. Twice in the scripture, and we know from history, one of the strategies of natural warfare was to go into the camp of the nation that you were trying to overcome and to take away the people that actually made the weapons and the tools. These were called blacksmiths. 
And so you're, the role, one of the strategies, if we can take the blacksmiths away, we know that the people that we're trying to overcome will have no weapons and they will have no tools. So we're talking about fighting and farming. And so they're gonna have to come to us and submit to us so that we can, we'll help, we're actually gonna cover them and we're gonna dominate them and they'll never be able to fight against us. That was a strategy of warfare. They took away the equippers. Now, I'm just gonna read you a passage where it actually says that, where we have the Philistines against the people of Israel in 1 Samuel 13. This is verse 19. Now read this carefully with me. I, I think it'll be on the screen. No, it won't, Never mind. Now, no blacksmith could be found in all of the land of Israel for the Philistines said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to sharpen his plow, his mattock, his ax, his hoe. And the charge was two thirds of a shekel for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and to fix the hose. So it came about on the day of battle. Listen to this. On the day of battle, Israel and Philistines, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan but they were found with Saul and Jonathan. Only the leaders had the weapons. What does that do for a people? When you take away the blacksmiths and the people don't have weapons, there is no fight. I wanna tell you something. Naturally, I believe spiritually, that is an attack on the church today. I believe the enemy is wanting to change, distort the purpose of the church, remove the equippers, make the pastors people that inspire a little bit, you know pixie dust. I'm not a perfect guy. Put people on pedestals, separate them from the people like they're not people. Like the man of God, the woman of God. And all these platforms are breeding narcissism in leadership. And this is why people are falling. Nobody will share in the glory of the Lord. I want you to hear me. In Isaiah, it says, in that day, in the coming of Christ, he will not share his glory with another. And so anytime we allow the glory to go to a man or woman, that person cannot handle the glory that belongs to God. And so what happens is the enemy is trying to distort the purpose of the church, the leadership of the church. And if you can strike the shepherd, you can scatter the sheep. If you can separate the shepherd, you can scatter the people, or you can create this falsehood of what church even is. And we just, we just walk away thinking, you know what, man, and I know you've never thought this about me, right? So follow me, people. Pastor Ben is so amazing. Pastor Ben, <laughs> it hurts, I'm sorry. Pastor Ben is so fantastical. We need to walk away talking about the presence of God. We walk away talking about the word of God. When we gather together, we walk away talking about his power, his presence, his message, his gospel, his glory. And we are a people that are bent on seeing Jesus glorified in the earth. That's what needs to happen at Northwest Church. And that happens because we focus a little bit, I mean, in part on the equipping aspect that all of the people of God, are mem every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. Nobody's above each other. There are roles, there are anointings, there are gifts, there is leadership. Leadership does matter. I know like there's a, a lot of doctrine going around like right now, like leadership in God's church doesn't matter, which is sort of weird because there's whole chapters devoted to it. So to be a biblical Christian, to do away with concepts that are in scripture, honestly, that's not a biblical Christian. And so there are whole chapters devoted to things for a reason, 
things that fit in our culture and things that don't fit in our culture, things that we love and things that are difficult for us that kill the flesh. But either way, I wanna show you something. The reason that we are building our church in these ways of using these words, if you look at it, we're building it according to the ministries of Jesus. Reach, reaching up to God, reaching out. Reaching out is about evangelism, the evangelist. If you look at restore, restore is the heart of a pastor. It's to restore the people of God, first to the Lord, second to each other. It's to mend the broken heart. And we look at the word of equip, that's the teacher, amen. That's also the heart of a prophet. If you look at send, that's the heart of the apostle. It's the apostle is not a settler. An apostle is a pioneer. They wanna go plant churches. They wanna see people one. They wanna see the gospel get planted. These words represent, in my opinion, the ministries of Jesus. They're not just annoying words that we wanna hang on the wall and, and think we have a cute mission statement. We're trying to represent the fullness of Jesus's ministry. We're trying to be biblical in what we're doing here. This is very intentional. It's very strategic. And so we wanna understand that God has put leaders in his house to be equippers of the people. It does not, it's not about who's the smartest in the room. It's not about who has more knowledge. It's about who is moving in what Jesus is doing. You know, I'm telling you, there's a lot, I mean, we're living in a world. I, ah, and I just, half the time I wonder, should I say stuff that comes out of my mouth? And usually it's a no, but as long as you say it first and then you look at it later, you're fine. <laughs> Pray for me, all right, if you didn't like what I said. We're living in a world where you can go get a business degree from somebody that has never actually run a business. I just wanna put this out there for the world to hear me. We are living in a world where you can go get a business degree, you can get approved, stamped from somebody that has literally never actually owned and run a business. I mean, tell me that doesn't mess with you a little bit. You can learn from people who have never done it. The church has to be a place where you don't only learn about, but you learn how. See, if we learn how, if we are equipped, then we will rise up and the whole church of Jesus Christ will be alive. And that leads me to my second point. We not only understand the leadership of an equipping church, but we understand the vision of an equipping church. Remember, he gives these five ministries of Jesus and then he says they are for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. The vision of our church has to be that every member is a minister. Every person plays a part. Every person is involved in evangelism and discipleship. Friends, we are right now in a generational shift. If you haven't, if you haven't become aware of this, let me tell you, we are in a generational shift right now. And that doesn't mean that older people don't have a place. It means that the role of those that are the most mature and that are older and that are carrying something and that have had it for a long time, we have to have this impartation coming from them to the next generation. And we've got to figure out how to do this because if we don't, what some are carrying will not be imparted to the next generation. And so every member in our church, whether you're old or you're young, everybody has a place and everybody has a role, everybody. And everybody has to be off the bench and they have to be on the field because the, the vision is so that we equip people to do the work of the ministry. It is illegal for us to outsource our spirituality. And I wanna tell you, we cannot fight over preferences and traditions. We've got to go after what scripture teaches. We have to go after this stuff. And so a lot of times we get offended by lesser things rather than, rather than going after the main things that are in scripture. We have to be a house that teaches people how to pray. 
teaches people how to evangelize, how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, how to live a devotional life before God in his word. We've got to be a church that is teaching people how to live the Christian life. And the only way that church will be uncomfortable is for people that are not interested in actually living the Christian life. I mean, honestly, it will be uncomfortable when somebody isn't yielding to the way of Christ and saying, I want everything that he has. I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling upon the body of Christ to be more committed today than ever before, right now. We need every Christian to be alive. We need every Christian to say yes. We need every Christian to lay down the resistance and the reluctance and repent and turn to Jesus with their whole heart. Right now, we need every Christian to say yes. We need right now for every church to be united not to, be, not to have these, these fractals, not to have this division. We need every church to be united. There is an attack of the enemy on every church right now to dilute what they are, to dilute what they're doing, to dilute the Bible, to dilute the gospel, to remove the purpose. There is an attack on the church of Jesus Christ and we've got to come back to this place of uncommon unity. We've got to come back to this place of biblical Christianity and it isn't to suggest we don't understand that in our minds. What we have to do is evaluate what is in our life. People are not going to pick up the way that we used to live. They're gonna pick up the way that we actually live. What we impart is what we are. We have to be less concerned about our reputation and more concerned about our example. A reputation is what people knew about us. An example is what people see in us. And that is where we disciple people is the example that we have. Let me disciple you into what I am already living. See, there are people, we're in this room, we've got doctors, we've got lawyers, we've got teachers, we've got people that work at all kinds of businesses, we have people that run businesses. But what's interesting about the church is no matter what you do for a profession, we are all on the same place. Right now, right here. We are all in the same place with the same mission and none of us belong to some hierarchy of us being more spiritual or better than anyone else. What we belong to is the church of Jesus Christ. He's the pastor, he's the leader, he's the most gifted, he's the most anointed. We look to him and we receive what he gives us so that we can live the life that he's called us to live. That's what, that's what this is about. And so we have to have a vision for an equipping church so that the people of God are alive and rise up and do what God has called them to do. All of us are playing a role. And so what is the result of an equipping church? The result, this is what he says in verses 13 to 16. I'm just gonna break it down in the way that I see it and the various things that he talks about. The result of an equipping church is the people of God will have discernment and resist deception. We will give ourselves to deception if we are not in the word if we are not connected and united with the people of God. You know the way that we get discipled? The word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. I remember because I've had a, a lot of uh, journeys into the charismatic church, and there are, I, I'm a Pentecostal, thoroughbred, amen. I, I love the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed. I'm a, I wanna be a church of the word and the spirit, and I'm not saying that to like be prideful, like we're Pentecostals and Baptists are terrible. <laughs> we don't care about factions. What I'm saying is by nature of distinction, we're trying to say we believe in the fullness of the spirit. We believe in the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in prophecy. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in miraculous moments. We believe in healing. That Yes, we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I think it's really important for us to grasp that we have got to be people of the word of God. For some reason, the greatest threat, in my opinion, against the American church is to lose the doctrine of the authority of scripture. 
that the scriptures, the Bible is what tells us how to live, what we are to do, how we are to do it. It is the scriptures. And if you're not aware of this, this is the doctrine that is losing its power in the church right now. If you're not sure about that, it is happening. It is happening right now. And that's why it is important that we know how it is that we move forward in the Lord. And I unashamedly encourage every Christian to be in God's word. We've got to be in God's word for ourselves. We have to feed our own lives the word of God. Now, when we come to church, we gather around the word and we wanna be encouraged, we wanna be lifted and we wanna be strengthened. But the church cannot just be a place where we come to be encouraged and not equipped where we come to be inspired but not instructed. We come to be touched and not trained. We are a people that need to be trained in the things of God so that we can pass on what the ministry actually is. So the people of God will have discernment and resist deception. The people of God will speak God's truth in love. They know it, they show it, they share it. The people of God will grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ, the one we are following. These are the results of an equipping church. The body of Christ will be encouraged, strengthened to endure in every season until Jesus comes. And this is important. This is what we're about here. I wanna share with you just for a few more moments. I'm taking you just a few moments over. I wanna share with you how we're gonna go about that. I'm introducing to you the discipleship pathway at Northwest Church. We've changed a bunch of things. And I know we're walking through a lot of change, but there's ex change is exciting if it's good. You know, there's bad change and there's good change. And we're not, I don't know that we've experienced any bad change. I mean, we've, you know, you might have a preference like Pastor Ben, I don't know if I like the color of that. You know, that's a preference. We don't wanna fight over preferences, okay? And I just wanna be very clear about paint colors and whatnot. There are other people that decide other than me. <laughs> it is a collective thing, guys. So when we choose colors and stuff and you come in and you go, ah! you can blame a lot of us. <laughs> I don't wanna take every bullet, all right? All right, I don't wanna take every bullet. You know, if you like the browns and you don't like the grays, I understand, I understand. But we'll all acclimate. And so, I, I, listen, I respect everybody. I'm trying to do the best I can, okay? <laughs> feel bad for me. All right, anyways, don't feel bad for me. Pray for me. I wanna to introduce to you the discipleship pathway at Northwest Church. We've been working on this for some time, and there are four things that you need to know, and I'm gonna put them all up on the screen. First, we have discipleship tracks. We took OSL, MTI. In fact, me and Pastor Jared, who oversees this, we took all of the different discipleship programs out there and we just did some data mining. We, we looked at what they did. And then we looked at maybe what they were missing or what we wanted to put in there. And so we're writing the curriculum. We're putting these discipleship tracks out there. We have about 120 people in discipleship track one right now, which is a lot more than we ever thought would be in there. And it's a beautiful mess. It's amazing. Uh, I was thinking 50, 120 we had to quickly figure out table leaders. So uh, discipleship tracks are five-week classes <clears throat> where we're asking people to take the next step of discipleship. We're saying this is the next commitment for, for each one of us. And so the first one is following Jesus. The second one is experiencing the Holy Spirit. And the third is embracing spiritual practices. And that's for people that are brand new to faith. And that's for people that need to be refreshed and renewed in the faith. It's not just for people that are brand new. It's for everybody. And so those are available. We're, we've already started number one. And we're going to do those a couple times a year. The second thing we have is discipleship groups. We did have a life group model. Now we have a discipleship group model. The goal is just to continue to update and upgrade our systems. We love life groups. That was amazing. We're taking the best of that and then we're adding to that. And so we wanna train people in discipleship groups to disciple the people that are in their group. It's really important that 
that we continue to grow what it is that we're, we're doing here. And so Pastor Jared oversees that as well. We have discipleship mentors. And the, what this is, is this is where a person can be trained to personally disciple people. If a person comes to our church and says, I wanna walk in discipleship with other people or with, with an individual, I don't wanna go into a group or, I don't, or they miss the track. If you're ready to just walk with somebody who's, who, who is a discipler, then you can actually sign up and walk with somebody for three months, once a week, where they commit to discipling you. And if you wanna be a discipler, then you have to come under our training because sometimes what happens in the church where there's division is everybody has their own way of doing things. They use their own books. They use their own methods. They use. I've been in the church a long time and I'm like, what book are you using over there? It's some book that teaches things that we don't believe. And so we have an approved book list and you can recommend a book on that book list. Sounds very controlling, but it actually is for unity. And so that book list is really grown. As we suggest, suggest books that we use or really just we stick mostly with the Bible, it's really important that we have a system where people are trained to be discipleship group leaders, to be discipleship mentors. And so we've renewed not only our systems, but also our training because we're, I, I, I wanna tell you, I am unashamedly going after discipleship. What, if, if you're not, listen, what I'm presenting to you today is a serious effort to do what the Bible says. That's what this is. This is not about cool or trendy or fun. This is about seriousness of training the people of God to train the people of God to do the work of God. That's what we've got to do. You should expect that the church knows what they're doing and how they're doing it. It is not the only way. It is not, I'm not even saying it's the best way, but it is a way. And you have to have a way to disciple people. And if we have random discipleship going on all over the place, I am telling you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work when you have random discipleship. We're not unified in it. We don't know what we're doing and people will drop the ball all the time. What I have seen in discipleship is inconsistency so much where people drop the ball. And this way we develop a system that is not about the system. It is about life on life, discipleship according to the word, being led by the spirit. The last thing you'll see on there is immersion discipleship school. We used to have LMI and we let go of that. And part of that was just uh, for various reasons, but we are introducing a one to two year school that is gonna have Bible college level classes and all the classes are free. The only thing you have to pay for is your book. And so we're gonna have uh, classes on how to study the Bible. I want the whole body of Christ to know how to study their Bible. I do not want you to have to go to Bible college for this. Right, I mean, like we had the Reformation for a reason so that the Bible could get into the hands of every person. And as much as I love Bible college and seminaries, only 5% of the people of God will ever go into vocational ministry. And I want you to think about that for a minute. I remember when I was over an institute and I was over internships and we had this whole system set up to train pastors. And I realized, gosh, if you count how many pastors there are vocationally for a job, it's 5% of the people in this church. And so why are we not training 95% and sending 5% to the Bible college, which we can't compete with anyways? And so that's when I shut down the institute at our previous church. And it's one of the reasons that we did here is that we wanna focus on training 95% of the people. I believe that it should be normal and not radical. Like every time a young person gets on fire to learn the Bible, we should not go, you're called to be a pastor. I think that is an odd way of thinking. I think what happens is there's this pressure to get in the ministry when in reality, the pressure should be on everybody. We're all in the ministry. 
Some of us have an equipping ministry that's to be in the church. But I feel like what has happened is we have put all of the ministry in the in the church, and so it's always about what happens here, not ha what happens from here. We have to serve out in the world. We have to go out in the world, and we have to reach the lost, and we have to disciple people, even in our neighborhoods and everywhere we go. We've got to be missionaries in this world. And so my, our heart is to train up everybody to know how to read the word. It's to train up everybody to know how to evangelize, everybody to understand the Bible and the covenants of scripture, everybody to understand systematic theology. We want everybody to know that stuff. And you might be saying, well, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that, Pastor Ben. I don't know if I'm ready to go that deep. You are ready to go that deep. Oh my gosh. You are ready to jump in the river and whoever told you that you can't, that is a lie. What I'm saying is the devil. I believe that the enemy wants to attack the church and make everybody feel less than. What I'm not saying is you are supposed to be a pastor or a prophet or maybe you are, but the reality is every member is supposed to be equipped. Every member is supposed to know God. Every member is supposed to know the word of God. Every person in the church has a role in fulfilling the great commission. And so we will not put people on pedestals. Amen, we're just gonna go for it. All right, come on. We're just gonna go for it. A couple of you started clapping. I needed to help you. It's all right. I know. We need classes in clapping, you know. It's one and three or it's two and four. I just want to say that. So Immersion Discipleship School starts in April. We start with Systematic Theology 1 and 2. You can sign up for free. And we're going to go through Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, which you can buy in our bookstore for $38. Pastor Steve was a part of uh, editing that and putting that together. We're very glad about that. This is where we're going. This is the discipleship pathway. And this is, we're just beginning. We're just starting that now. And we, we want every person that comes in this church to understand how Northwest Church makes disciples. And so we need everybody's help. This is what we're starting. This is where we're going. But we're gonna need people's help in the discipleship tracks, in the discipleship groups, discipleship mentors, people that are not only gonna take the classes, but I wanna raise up teachers from among our church that can teach these classes. But we have to be in unity. We need everybody together. And so what I'm, here's what I'm asking from our church in this season, and I feel like it's the Holy Spirit. And it was, I was willing to take you a few minutes over to say all this because it's important to me. I need everybody with me. That's what I need. Because it's not about me. It's, I'm trying to present a, bib, a biblical model that I believe will work in the future because we've got to raise up the next generation to carry on what we have been doing for 42 years. And what I need is I need everybody with me. I need the sentiment in our church from here on out to be like, where has God put me to serve in the church? And where has God put me to serve outside of the gatherings of the church? How has God called me to serve? I need that sense to be in all of us that there is that nagging sense that doesn't come from some pastor that needs people to plug into different holes, but rather it's the sense of like, we are all called to be about something and it takes everybody to do it. I want that to be the normal sense here without guilt, without pressure, without some kind of manipulation, without hype, but with biblical conviction that we believe that it's gonna take the whole church to do what is in front of us in the season ahead. So I am unashamedly asking everybody to be with me. I'm asking for you to make a commitment more than you've made. And I'm not, I'm not making what you've done insignificant. I am not belittling what anybody has done in this church. I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you for serving. I wanna say thank you for giving your money and your time and your energy. Thank you, thank you. But I am asking for more and I believe the Holy Spirit is asking for more from the church of Jesus Christ because we have a task that is impossible unless all of us rise up as spirit-filled believers to do what God has called us to do. It will take all of us. 
And if you have a thought in your mind right now, like I'm insignificant and I'm not gifted and I don't know how that's gonna work, that is a lie from the devil. It is not from the Lord. And if you have a reluctance and a hesitancy, and hear my heart in this, turn from that. Give that to God. Be alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is our time to be light in darkness. This is our time to take the hill. This is our time to see the lost saved and disciples made. This is our time. I don't know what the world is doing and I'm not so consumed with all the cultural lies. I want us to be consumed with the kingdom of God advancing and that's what it must be. We've got to stop fighting each other and stop the preference stuff and I don't like this. And I, we've got to start uniting around the gospel of Jesus and the discipleship of the church and reaching of the world. We've got to go after this with all of our hearts. And so I believe there is a pruning happening in the church. I believe there's a cleansing happening of our hearts. If you feel uncomfortable, you should. It's not just from the church, it is from the Lord. Friends, God is purifying us. He's cleansing us. He's cleansing me. What is church about? What have we spent our time and energy doing? How much do we give ourselves to the world? How much are we blaming other people for what we're not doing? Come on. Personal responsibility. We're moving into a place of repentance. And I believe God's gonna use this powerful. You wanna see miracles, signs, and wonders? You wanna see the power of God released in a people? It's gonna take the people of God uniting. I'm not interested in doing this alone. I am presenting a biblical model so that we can do this together. That's my job. My job is to present something in front of you as vision. I do that to the business council. I'm doing that to our church. And I'm asking all of us to commit. So instead of asking who's with me to take a stand, I'm gonna ask everybody in the auditorium to take a stand right now as we close. Please stand to your feet. And I'm making an assumption that that is our heart. I'm making an assumption that we're all in this together. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And God, we thank you for how we're moving together and where we're going as a church. And Father, I pray for an uncommon unity that the devil can't break, that demonic spirits won't influence, but that your Holy Spirit will breed to and in us as your people. And Father, I pray that you would cleanse and you would purify all of us so that we would be about what the word of God says the church is supposed to be about. Give us clarity, give us vision, give us love for each other, give us this passion to see the lost saved and disciples made and to join in what is happening here. We love you and we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.